Grab life big. All right, GoPros, man, we have a great interview here to listen to. Everybody needs to listen to this one because this is bombastic. So without further ado, let's jump on this call. We are live with two very special guests today, our pillar killers for the horizontal income uh, area of GoBundance. This is something that um, creates our wealth. It's such an important topic. I can't think of two better guys to uh, be chatting with today about this subject. Uh, two guys that pour into other people all the time. I know that they've got some amazing uh, knowledge to share with you. So we're super excited to have you here uh, today, guys. Good to see you. How you doing? Fan-freaking-tastic. All right. So we got Matty A and his uh, tribe of mentors there behind him joining us in spirit and energy for the call, too. So we'll be channeling our best uh, Tony Robbins and Oprah. Today. There you go. All right. So uh, awesome. Well, welcome to the call, guys. This is great. We're live here on Facebook in the group, as you know. Uh, so we'll probably get some people tuning in here. If you're here uh, listening in on Facebook, uh, we can see your comments. Uh, they get posted in our chat here on Zoom. So if you've got comments, questions, or if you're there, just let us know. Uh, we are happy to uh, give you a shout out if we see that you're here with us. So uh, awesome, guys. So we'll go ahead and get started with just uh, some some introductions. If uh, Matty A, you want to just share, kick us off here, share a little bit about who you are, what you're all about, and uh, and a little bit about your family as well. I know you've got some amazing uh, ladies there at home. So tell us about Matty A. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. Uh, so Matt Aitchison, I'm from Sacramento, California, 29 years old. I'm Married to my beautiful wife, Marie, I have two beautiful little girls that keep me on my toes mentally and physically at the moment. And um, I got a, a three-year-old and a four-month-old, Ella and Evelyn. And I basically have been an entrepreneur from right out of college. Um, I worked, well, first and foremost, I got uh, expelled from high school. I got arrested in college and I kind of hit a, a fork in the road basically where I didn't know, um, what I wanted to be when I grow up. And, uh, you know, I knew that I wanted a, a big life, but my, my, essentially my, my audio and what I told everybody else and what I told myself wasn't matching my video. And that, uh, led me into some, uh, unfortunate situations. And that one fork in the road kind of oh shit moment completely changed my life and um, kind of led me down this path of entrepreneurship and business and uh, started my real estate entrepreneurial journey right out of school uh, at 21. And I've been uh, really investing in real estate, building up all of my companies inside this ecosystem of real estate. And uh, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey, been a lot of failures, a lot of failing forward. And uh, I can honestly say by finding GoBundance at the age of 25, it has massively accelerated my results and achievements over the last, you know, four years, um, expanded my mindset, my thinking into areas that I would have never, you know, identified those blind spots or been exposed to those conversations. And I've always been a big believer now being in these right conversations that we do grow into the conversations around us, whether they're positive or negative. Um, it's been a game changer to be connected with this tribe 
And uh, most importantly, I wouldn't even be thinking or talking about horizontal income. I'd probably still be, you know, grinding away on one vertical income stream and uh, just enhancing my awareness to this entire space um, has really changed my life and my family's life. And now getting to share it with so many other people, it's become a passion of mine that I never knew was there. So I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that today, but I'm extremely grateful to uh, obviously be you know, a part of this community and, uh, and to be in these kind of conversations. Love it. And the, uh, the name of, you have a podcast that's gotten some great recognition and you've also gotten some recognition as a uh, influential millennial, right? And, uh, so tell us with a podcast name and about, you know, being that millennial piece. Cause I think maybe that part was not part of the story. And I think that's important. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Uh, the podcast is thanks to GoBundance, essentially. I was 25 years old, and I knew that I wanted to be a millionaire, and I was driven by money when I was younger. I think a lot of us can probably relate to that, is when you don't have what you don't have, it's one of the big drivers for you. And so for me, I saw you know creating more income in my life as a vehicle to living this massive life. But then I went to David Osborne's house back in Steamboat, a handful of years ago, and uh, when GoBundance was kind of just, you know, getting off the ground. And I remember that was my first exposure to this conversation of not only living abundantly financially, but living abundantly as a husband and as a father and as a contributor to, you know, causes and passions that you have and bucket list adventures. And I realized that for me, who had a, a good amount of resources around him, these were still non-existent conversations in my daily life. And so I wanted to, I knew what it did for me and I wanted to bring more of those conversations and make them more accessible to as many people as possible. And that is where essentially uh, out of selfish, um, you know, motives in the beginning was to, Hey, I can interview as many millionaires as I possibly can. And then share this information and these conversations with other people who are interested in, them as well. So that's where the millionaire mindcast spurred. And now I've been able to interview hundreds of millionaires from all different industries, all different, you know, uh, spaces from around the world. And it has been so much fun um, to not only get personal gratification from it, but to get people from Ghana and, you know, Argentina and Barcelona and people all around the country sending me messages of, hey, what this person said or what this you know, did for me today, uh, completely changed my life or whatever it may be. So that's, um, thanks to GoBundance. Another thing that kind of was, uh, brought to the table and, um, I got the millionaire Mindcast. I was, you know, um, recognized by new theory and Buzzfeed and Forbes as a top millennial influencer to fall in 2018. No idea who I paid off to get on that list or how I got on the list, but I'm grateful to be there and uh, grateful to be here sharing with you guys. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, we, we love what you're doing, Maddie A. And, you give a lot of unfair credit to go abundance, but man, you, you make it happen. You've got big dreams and goals and you go out and do it. I mean, you probably wouldn't be anywhere near where you are today without go abundance, but <laughs> you are pretty talented. So <laughs> I love you, man. You're, you're one of my best friends. Uh, I always enjoy our time together. When I first met you, I used to call you that my chief happiness officer. Remember that the CHO? Yep. I don't know what happened. Did you just like debunk me from that title or what? No, you did such a great job. I'm just happy all the time now, dude. I don't need your mentorship anymore. You influenced me even though I'm not a millennial. Imagine that. Damn. Awesome. Doing something right. Good stuff. 
Awesome. Well, hey, Mr. Gary Jonas. How you doing, buddy? I fell asleep listening to Matt talk about himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's tired. Uh, uh, I do want to say something about Matt before we get started, though, if I could, Mike. Yeah, go for it. Um, I have, I'm on a call with him every week, right, as part of our GoPod thing, and have watched as he's built these things out for both his Millionaire Mindcast and the, and the six-figure um, flipper, and it's really amazing to kind of watch the process and how it works and how he's interacting with other people in this group to accelerate these things, and like, I feel like I'm watching, you know, Something where we're going to be able to say, oh, I knew that dude when he was just getting started. Cool <laughs> it is to, to watch the whole process and, and see him go from level to level to level and realize the amount of commitment and time that is involved in that process. Because people are going to turn around in like two years and Matt's going to be kicking ass. And they're going to be like, oh, you know, he, he kind of stumbled into that. And he didn't. I mean, the guy's working like a dog on it every day super committed working on his skills working on how to interview people and it's it's amazing to watch it's so much fun i listen to his podcast all the time when i run he's my number one go-to podcast guy oh uncle g see here's the thing that you guys realize about gary is we call him uh you know asshole uncle g because he keeps it real and he always uh you know he's not one to throw a bone or you know compliment out there so I'm going to like, I think, save this sound bit and have it playing in the background of my office 24-7 now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Careful. He's starting to fall asleep again. Let's let him, start. <laughs> let him start talking again before he falls asleep. <laughs> Gary, tell us all about you, man. If somebody doesn't know you or, or uh, they want to learn more about you, who are you? What are you all about? Sure. So um, I am 47 years old. Born and raised in Philadelphia, made it through 16 years of Catholic school in the, in the Philadelphia system. So um, amazing that I've been through that process and was still able to come out and create some success. So um, <laughs> I, like I said, I was born in Philadelphia. I still live in Philadelphia area. I've uh, been married for 18 years, as crazy as that is to say, um, to my wife, Sajel. I have two girls that are... 10 and 12, um, love having girls, by the way. Like when, when my uh, first daughter was born, I was devastated. Like I, I was so like, I need a boy, I need a boy. Cause like I want to do sports and I want to do all these things with my kid. And, you know, now that I look back on it at, um, you know, 12 years later, I'm like, it's the greatest thing in the world to have two girls. So what Matt's going to find out as he continues to go down his journey is it just gets better and better and better. So, um, you know, personally, that's my story. Um, in terms of work, uh, I graduated from college with no real plan and no real thought in college other than to get through it. Like, I got to get through this so I can get a job doing something other than working construction because my dad was an electrical contractor. Um, I worked for him in the summers and on the weekends and all that stuff. And we all can admit that I was the worst electrician in the history of electricians. And so um, I needed to kind of go out and find my own path. And looking back on it now, I realized that I was this serial visionary with no idea what to do with all these ideas and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and said, I, I just need to start buying properties because there's no other way that I'm going to be able to create a system. So probably 1992 or 93, 
I decided my goal was that I wanted to retire at 45. I was going to buy a property a year for the next 10 years. And by the time I was 45, they would all be paid off. And then I could retire with this whopping sum of $150,000 a year in income coming in. And I would be the most successful dude I knew. And that was the plan. Um, and then we kind of have just, you know, grown and learned more from other people as we've kind of gone through the process and kind of grown uh, what we think is a pretty special company. Um, what I say about us is that we can, we, I believe we're the only company in the Philadelphia region that can help you no matter what your needs are in, in the real estate field, whether it's financing, whether it's development, whether it's construction, whether it's an agent to kind of help you through your out sales, whether it's uh, property management, everything involved in the real estate life cycle, we try and do under one roof. And that kind of all came about because as we worked through every level of the process, we kept looking at inefficiencies and saying, I think we can do that better than that, than these other people. And kept adding, you know, silo after silo after silo until we got to where we are now, which is, you know, a fully integrated uh, real estate company that probably generates a, you know, $70 million in revenue a year between all its different, you know, arms. That's awesome. And what are the different arms of how and what are its holdings? What does that kind of look like? So we have, and, and remember, I'm a sales guy, so you're always going to have to take my numbers and cut them by like 20%. Yeah, yeah. 25% is a good number. I take all the projects that are in process and act as if they're done, right? So I would tell you that we have roughly about $113 million in real estate that's either done or in some form of development right now. And that's 700 units. Um, so that's kind of, you know, from a passive income standpoint, that's our, our major driver, these 700 units. But, you know, when we think of everything that we do, we started with trying to figure out how to develop property. So buy something, fix it up, sell it, buy something, fix it up, keep it, rent it. And through that process, we created a development company that basically does 50 to 150 unit apartment type buildings. Um, because of that, we need to do property management. So we have our own property management company. As part of that, we started doing, you know, not only stuff that we kept, but stuff that we sold. So as part of selling new construction townhouses, we felt it would be good to have our own real estate team. So we have our own residential real estate team. And then we have our own construction arm, which would then, you know, build all those projects for us. And then the last piece of what we do kind of from the, the highest level is we are doing a lot of uh, buying properties that we're going to fix up and sell. And, and John Pack, who a lot of people know that's part of this group, is kind of heading that part of the vision up now. And so we're expecting really big things from that as we move forward. Cool. Awesome. Great synopsis. Uh, awesome, guys. I've known you both for uh, quite a while, and it's been amazing to watch just how you've evolved even from the beginning. Gary, I even knew you back when you were just mainly doing mortgages. We're just starting your, your sort of real estate investing career, and then it came full circle. We hadn't seen each other for a while when you got back into GoBundance. So uh, it's cool to see where you are today and have been sort of aware of where you were earlier too. Um, Maddie, we're going to jump into some of these questions here. Uh, tell us, you know, why is horizontal income important and how do you even define it? You know, what does that look like? And even uh, if you want to be specific, you know, how much of it are you getting in and how much of how many lines do you have? I'm sure everyone would love to hear kind of 
that. So why is it important? What does it look like for you? And, you know, what does it mean overall? Horizontal? Yeah. yeah. And, and if, it's funny because until go abundance, like I said, these were just not conversations that anybody in my world was having, you know? And so uh, my first exposure to horizontal income was go abundance and talking about these different buckets and to me, I, I really saw it as the, the lifeline or the bridge to freedom, right? Is, was to, to, it really became this, this vehicle that I put at the forefront of everything I was doing. It, essentially, you know, if it, if it was something that was going to become a vertical income stream for me, it was how could I turn this into a horizontal income stream at some point in the game? And how would that, you know, how would that ROI fund the lifestyle that I was going after? And so I started thinking a whole lot more purposefully on not only where I was spending my time, but the, the time that I was spending in those different vehicles is would this be able to turn into something that would be passive? And so it helped me narrow my focus in a lot of areas. It also got me excited about some, some other areas as well, but um, for me now, I'm looking at all the different, you know, streams of income. I would say I have two vertical income streams that I spend most of my time in, which is my flipping business and with uh, my, my consulting in other people's investing businesses. But then I look at all of the other once vertical income streams that are now I would consider horizontal. I have my real estate flipping course, which I made over $100,000 in that course this last year, which had some, you know, vertical components to it, but it's now pretty, I would say, uh, passive. I have the monthly mastermind group that is paying uh, a recurring fee every single month. Um, I have affiliate commissions. So people inside the, the community, if they want to go, you know, do a direct mailing campaign or, you know, work with one of the vendors that we have aligned with. I'm getting affiliate commissions from anybody that just goes and signs up with their product because they found it through our group. Um, I'm partnered in a construction company. So I get construction residual income from projects and from that company. Um, I have obviously my rental properties. Uh, I send over a lot of real estate referrals to different people. So I get passive income on the referrals back, the podcast, um, in certain aspects of the advertising on the podcast that we do. And I, I mean, I, I even consider things like GoBundance, right? I have a lot of guys that I've referred into GoBundance that are in my downline that generate an income for me that, you know, help pay for my membership or that, you know, allow me to get an income from that M1. You know, there's all these different um, areas that uh, the referrals and some of the, the ecosystem have allowed me to generate some, some passive income. So <clears throat> looking at these things, I think I have about, eight different streams right now. And for me, I think of uh, some of these things will be the big kind of cash flow uh, machines over time, the rental properties and things like that. And then the other things are, you know, supplementing my, my, my lifestyle in the current moment as well. So the horizontal game has really changed my mindset on if it's not something that I can potentially turn into a passive income stream since I already have my verticals figured out. Um, I'm probably not going to focus too much time and energy on it unless it ties into my ecosystem of 
where my skills are at or where my existing businesses are at. So if you could, if, if I were to go through every single one of these income streams, they all essentially have to do with real estate in some capacity or the brand that I'm building. So um, the horizontal income stream game for me has really become uh, essentially that it's, a, it's become a game for me and how I can now identify things that are in alignment with my brand or in alignment with the vertical income streams and if they can supplement that and kind of become ancillary businesses or I look at a Gary's a perfect example um, with all of his businesses and how they feed one another. I kind of did the same thing going after what Warren Buffett did is if I'm going to create these, you know, I have my hub and then what are the ancillary businesses around that hub that I could either create some kind of passive income from whether it's vertical turn passive or immediately just align with somebody who already has something set up that I can plug into and immediately get some kind of passive effect from it. So I wasn't even thinking about this stuff, you know, when I was 25, now 29. Um, I would say I've been doing small bets on a lot of these things where I've been testing a lot of stuff uh, being in my 20s. You know, this was kind of my mentality of let me test all these different things. Some I've put to bed, some have worked for me and I've doubled down on. Um, but my 30s for where I'm going to be focusing on, you know, next year and moving forward is really trying to figure out is not adding necessarily more passive income streams, but maximizing the ones that I can three, four, five, 10x over the next 10 years. Um, now that I'm a lot clearer on which ones really meet and fit the criteria that support my skill strength and my existing framework that I've set up now. Awesome, dude. I love it. I love the uh, part about it, it being a bridge to freedom. I think that that's, you know, such a simple and, and brilliant definition of it. But yeah, thanks for that too, on the number of streams and eight um, that you're working on going deeper into some of those because you see that they're scalable. I think that's smart. And uh, always paying attention to how we can take a current vertical income and converting it to passive. I think that's, you know, that's also brilliant, but thanks for the context around horizontal income. I think that's, that's great. So, so Gary, tell, tell me about your horizontal income streams and why are they important to you? What do they mean to you? Um, what, what is the definition of horizontal income for you? So um, more than happy to do that. I have a quick question for Matt, if you don't mind before. Cool. Yeah. So I think that one of the, Two things. One, Matt, did you get that little bets from that book called Little Bets? I got it from, so we're in a GoPod, Gary, myself, a handful of other guys, and we went to Philly, and uh, Gary had a guy who did a training with us, and Little Bets from my, my man Bruce. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Little Bets came from that is, you know, testing out a lot of these different things. A lot of these things, I'm like, oh, this can be a great passive income stream. And then I realized that it requires 40 hours of work in order to get that, you know, to where it's at. And so based on my existing capacity, some of these little bets have I've squashed and just said, nope, that doesn't make sense. Not enough time. Whereas other, some of the little bets, you know, testing them and going, okay, this actually could, you know, require a little vertical time of getting it to a passive space, but it could turn into something that that little bet turns into a double down or a bigger bet. Sure. And then my second question around it is you, you talked about it or kind of alluded to that you only want to work on things that you get 4X or 5X or whatever that looks like. And so do you have a minimum amount that something has to kind of have the potential to make to say, I'm even going to consider doing this as a um, potential horizontal income stream? Meaning 
if you put a bunch of time into something that's going to make you five grand a year, like that's probably not in the ballpark. So what is the criteria for you? <clears throat> that's actually a really good question. And that's something that I could probably get a, a little bit clearer on of what is the criteria. I don't think I've established what that looks like. Um, for example, the construction company in the beginning required a little bit of my time, but I realized that by partnering with the right people, that vertical would essentially become passive a lot faster. And therefore, because it was immediately passive, I don't care if it's $2,500 or if it's $250,000, it's 100% passive. And, you know, so if I have more passive opportunities that really don't require any upfront vertical time, energy, capital, effort, whatever it may be, I'm going to do it. I'm going to plug it into my existing ecosystem and framework. Whereas the stuff that I think, you know, requires more of my time on the front end in order for it to become passive later on, depending on if it's a five or a 10 X or whatever it may be. That's where I think I get a little bit more critical and saying, what on the front end is going to be required of me? And then based on that, what is the ROI? And I determine if and when it makes sense to even try that or to, you know, forego it. Okay. Thanks. Awesome. All right. Thanks. So back to your question, Matt, or I'm sorry, Mike, my, my answer to um, what is horizontal income really comes, or why is it important is, I originally thought it was important because it created this freedom um, and allowed me to go on all these vacations and do all this cool shit. And I didn't have to be kind of tied down to showing up every day. And I thought that's what it meant. But the more I reflect on it now, the more I don't think that's what it means for me, at least at this part of my life. I think what it means to me and what it allows me to do is gives me the opportunity to try things because I know I have a certain amount of income coming in and I can pay my bills and I can do all the things that I want to do. So if I want to take a shot on a company that I think could be transformative or invest in something that I think could be really special, I can do that and not worry about whether that thing has to make money for three years, right? Like when you need to make money every day just to pay your bills, you can't take chances and, and try to build things that are significant that take time. You know, so when I look back on everything I ever did, you know, like those 10 properties that I bought, I'm like, those 10 properties are going to create $150,000 in income. Well, guess what? They didn't create $150,000 in income. And, you know, I had all these goals that I realized were aggressive and I was never really meeting those goals from a dollar standpoint, even though I could show you a spreadsheet that showed that they did. The, the, the reality of the matter was they really didn't. And so as I've gotten more opportunity now, I realize that it takes way longer to get to these spots than what we really think it takes. Mm. Because of that, I can take chances because I do have enough passive income or horizontal income coming in to give me the opportunity to invest in new businesses. Like we've invested in three new businesses that we think will grow our company. Um, one of them being the flip business. It's been way harder for us to get in the flip business than we thought it was going to be. And so for three years, we've allocated a bunch of dollars and not made any money. Now, if I didn't have passive income or horizontal income coming in, I couldn't continue to go down that road. And in year four, I think we're going to make a million dollars on that business, right? Mm. But I've been going through three years of, of trying to get that up and running and making mistakes and had to give up on it because I, didn't, I needed the income. But now I don't need the income, so I can push that business forward and, and you're going to see us you know, have these hockey sick stick gains in these businesses that we were able to put time into. I, I like that because 
from what I'm hearing is for you, horizontal is obviously it provides you security and, and the lifestyle and all that stuff. But I, I like the fact that you highlighted it creates more options and more flexibility in your world that you're in to place, you know, some of those bets because you're playing a long-term game instead of the short-term necessity to bring income in. Yeah, it's, that's great. It ta- you've created space for, for more creations to emerge. It gives you that space. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Now, I don't know that I answered the second part of your question, though, Mike. And, and yeah, yeah. You don't want to know because I always find when I get on these calls, I want to hear somebody give me a real fucking number. Like, give me a number. What do you got? Where's it coming from? Can you give me a real fucking number, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I can. I will tell you that, um, you know, I, my number of what I call real passive income is $439,081.24. Is that a real number? Yeah, that sounds pretty real. Okay. Now, that's a, the only thing I will tell you is that that's an after-tax number. So I, don't, I didn't go back and kind of mark it up for taxes. That's what I actually put in my bank account after taxes. Okay, cool. Um, on those things. So however you want to adjust that. But when I look at it, it really comes from most of it, like $350,000 of it comes from cash flow from properties that we own. And the remainder of it, pretty much the other big lion's share of it comes from our mortgage company. Like 96000 of it comes from our mortgage company that I do absolutely nothing for, right? Mm. And next year, I think I'm going to have a big number, another 200 or so thousand if the flip company hits a million dollars, which I do believe it will. And that number will go up that much more. But that flip company, again, took four years to get it to the point where I'm going to start seeing any passive income. And we had a lot of money sitting on the sidelines now. That could mean just that we're bad at executing, or it could mean that people need to give themselves more time to get to these spots than what they really believe. Mm. I mean, I, I think that any entrepreneur um, that's built something that they're passionate about and that they really loved realizes very quickly that it happens slower than we want it to, right? Because you're naturally ahead of it if you're passionate. And so, it takes time to like wait for it to get there and to not sabotage yourself and be like, oh, this shit's not working. And then you bail on something before it had time to come to fruition. So I think that makes so much sense. And, and I'd like to make one other quick point on it, Mike, which is to get to the point where I had the 439081, that's 10 years of work and taking no income from it for eight of those. Mm. Right. So. You know, I paid, we paid ourselves out of the mortgage company, which I wasn't working in, and we built this, but I started doing it in 2008, and it's about to be 2018. And for the majority of those years, we took zero profit from those companies and just continued to pour anything we made back into them to get ourselves there. So it's a, it was a 10-year process for us and 10 years of everything we made going back into the company and looking at a tax return that said I made X amount of dollars. And looking at what I brought home and put in my pocket and going, these two numbers don't match up. Mm. Yeah, you're a 10-year overnight success, Gary. Way to go. Like, I know a dude that made 500000 yesterday on cryptocurrencies, so I don't, <laughs> maybe we should have had him on here. I don't know. <laughs> I own one Bitcoin, dude. One Bitcoin. That's all you need, buddy. It's going to be worth billions, so that's all you need. Uh, well, hey, let's go to some of your stories about your journey of 
of becoming a horizontal income earner. Maddie, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to have you take us back to the beginning. You know, and I would ask even a more specific question than we said before. Is Was there a moment in time, Maddie, when you said, I need to get clear on making only horizontal income? Like you said, there was a time when you operated that way but was it always or was there a moment in time when you just got it and you're like all right i need to work on horizontal income and take us from the beginning of that moment all the way through your journey of where you are today just love to hear some of the successes and your origin mainly of where you're at yeah it it definitely came from when we were in david osborne's living room there was 10 of us uh to maybe 10 or 12 of us back in what this is 2013 maybe and I just remember hearing there, the conversation wasn't about how to necessarily 10x vertical income, which is a great conversation to have. And most people are always thinking about how can I make more income in what my job is, right? My job. And the conversation was how can I make more money and work less based on the existing passive income vehicles that I have or that I could invest in? And for me, that just completely blew my mind open of going, I'm focusing all my time and energy on trying to get more ROI in my vertical income versus finding passive income streams that I don't have to work as hard in. So, and, and, and when I, I've always been, I've never been the smartest, never been the fastest or the strongest, but I've been really good at modeling after other people who have what I, what I want. And, and applying those disciplines, those principles, those habits to my skill set, to my strengths, and to my, you know, my journey and where I'm at. And every single person that had massive passive income had it in real estate, right? As one of the, the largest wealth building vehicles in the world that we can all agree on. And so for me, I realized that I am a real estate professional and expert. And yet, why am I not doing this for myself? like a madman? Why am I not obsessing over this and uh, creating more passive income through my space and my expertise? And so that's when I went out and started. um, I think you leave leave the steamboat event. You had a bit of a paradigm shift, right? I had, I had one rental and I think within the next 12 months I had increased my passive income or I had, um, I'd taken one rental and I think I had built my portfolio within the next 12 months to seven rentals. And uh, one thing I would say I'm really good at is finding great deals. And so I had also bought these deals at great discounts where I was baking in equity. So I'd not only increased my passive income, but I was also uh, increasing my net worth pretty significantly. I think it was like 400,000 that year, 500,000. And, um, and, and that's when the, the aha really for me came in where can I create passive income based on my skill set, right? There was a lot of other areas that you can go out and create passive income in, but based on my existing resources, my current time, my skill set, where can I immediately get the highest ROI and gain ground in this passive income space? And for me, it was real estate. So that's where I, I actually 
renegotiated uh, my partnership with my, my real estate partner and our traditional retail team. And I actually exited the team and I started just getting royalties off of that. You were doing listing appointments before that and then you'd stop doing production altogether or were you, or were you not doing that? No, I, I was doing more, um, more of the investing still, but I was doing it for a lot of other people and wasn't essentially doing it for myself. And that's when I doubled down on doing it for myself and, um, and making it a priority to, you know, go out and get more passive income and buy more real estate. Did you have the cash to go do that? Or did you, how did you come up with the money to go buy seven properties in that short of time or whatever? So, so basically what I did was, um, on all of my flip properties, I fund my flips with other people's money. I get a hard money first or a private money first, and then I do a private money second. And so I started doing that on a lot of the properties that I could have flipped, but I really, I identified which ones would actually, if based on the current money I had on them, which was more expensive money, if I were to refi those to cheaper money that not only would I keep the existing equity in those properties, but I would be able to cash flow all of those properties too. So the ones that were in a certain price point wouldn't just pencil for cash flow, but there was a good chunk of those properties that actually did pencil for having great cash flow. And so I took same process of how I'd find a flip and how I'd fund the flip, but instead I would optimize the flip, I would hold it, and then I packaged them all up and I did a portfolio refi on a lot of these properties and got cheaper money on them, cashed out my more expensive money and paid them off. And then I was sitting with a traditional note at, you know, 5% um, versus a 10% note, increasing my passive income pretty significantly while owning these properties outright. So that's the model I've been going with to building my passive income is same kind of thing, you know, buying them with potential flip money that I would, but instead of flipping them, I'm packaging them up, I'm portfolio refining them, and I'm holding on to them. Cool. Love it. Well, we'll come to some of your uh, biggest breakthroughs, maybe best deals you've done or like origin stories. What well, uh, was great. I love that sort of beginning of, you know, paradigm shift and then 12 months, dude, you just ramped up. That's the thing I've noticed about you is that even with the podcast, Gary alluded to this is like you execute the shit out of these things that you do so rapidly so i love how you pivoted came back you got started we'll come back to some of your biggest successes here in a minute because i know you've had some big breakthroughs since i then. saw a question roll in real quick oh, yeah, just yeah. From, from josh painter just asked uh, where did i get money for the the seconds um so josh there was three places that i started with first one was my inner circle family friends you know, people that really believed in me, know, like, and trust me. Uh, there's a handful of GoBundance guys that have, have funded seconds for me or um, have, you know, invested in, in my deals. Um, so my inner circle, family members, obviously, is a big one as well. Uh, people that really trust in my ability to execute, obviously, with, you know, 130 plus flips under my belt now. Um, I have a pretty good track record where people feel confident in investing in that kind of position. Um, second one though, is, uh, your outer circle, right? So work associates, realtors, you know, vendors, mortgage brokers, anybody that was kind of in my network, church, basketball buddies, whatever it may be. Contacts from when you were a male stripper, those worked out really well. Didn't Did they? they, I've had some great, great <laughs> cash flow opportunities based on uh, that previous career. And then, uh, the, the third one was your social circle. So uh, I've had a few people that I've just posted these kind of deals and these kind of opportunities. 
and these wins and said, hey, if you got, you know, stale money sitting in the bank account, making 1% or sitting in your IRA or your 401k or whatever it may be, here's the opportunity. And I've had probably, I'd say, five to 10 people over the years that have come from just social media posts. So inner circle, outer circle, social circle uh, have been the best places to, to find that. And here's one thing I just talk about. I'm obsessed with what I do. So I'm constantly talking about it. I'm not afraid to put it out there. And, uh, and people bite when, um, when they see an opportunity like that. Well, yeah. yep. would you say it's fair? Um, when I, when I did it, or at least when I started and we made our shift from, you know, cobbling together our own money to getting money from other people, that there was no question. It was our close friends and our family that put the money in and you, those other two circles, they start putting money in after they see you be successful. Yeah. Not your first person. No, 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 no. The first first time I ever had somebody invest in my deal, it was my dad. And I was, it was my first deal. I was living at home. I was broke. My credit cards were racked up. And uh, (laughs) let's just say it took a whole lot of convincing to do from my dad, who believed in his son, right, to to go out there and invest. But um, the, the money came a whole lot easier once I had a little bit of a track record. The first few were you know, a little more challenging. And, um, and, and I would say, you know, I've heard, I'm sure everybody's heard this is you, you find a great deal. And if it's really, really a good deal where everybody's money is going to be safe, then you're going to have no issues raising money for the opportunity. And so that's what happened on that first deal. It was just a smoking deal. Um, and I was able to, but at that, anytime I'd raise and put other people's capital into my flips, which essentially is every single one, I always want to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of contingencies and safety nets and, and meat on the bone if I'm going to be putting other people's money into my, my, my deals. And would you say the litmus test for that is if I'm not willing to take my dad's money, <laughs> yep. do the deal? Yes, exactly. Depends on if you, how much you like your dad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Would you be willing to take the person you like the most in the world's money? <laughs> there you go. That's yep. <laughs> Yeah. And here I'll add this too. So single family has always been my space. The one thing that GoBundance has opened me up to is, you know, the, ener- the effort and energy that goes into doing a hundred single family properties is going to be a whole lot more challenging than one multifamily property with a hundred doors on it. So that's where my mindset and GoBundance has challenged me into open up a little bit more is going, how can I get the same result or the same passive income? from less work, less liability, less doors or, or, or less properties. And so people like Gary speaking into my, you know, into my life for the last two years on a weekly call, people like David Osborne, you know, Michael Hannanel, we got Andrew Cushman, all kinds of Joseph Gosson, all kinds of guys, right. That you see they're, they're applying this model and there's so many different ways to make passive income in the particular space. And we'll just say real estate right now. And Everybody can do it successfully. I'm trying to figure out is based on what my unique skill set is and my resources and the framework that I have set up allows me to segue into the highest return on my time now um, because that's where I really want to get as much of that back. That passive income is essentially the gift that gives me back more time, which is the most precious resource in my life right now, spending time with my girls, my wife, you know, traveling. And so if I can figure out a way to get into less time and energy, but the same kind of return, which for me right now, I'm trying to segue into that multifamily space. 
that's where I've kind of had some breakthroughs and ahas of going, I don't need to do a hundred single family doors. Why don't I just do one property that can get me the same kind of cash flow? And so that's where I'm kind of shifting my mindset a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of a shift that Gary went through. Of course, then he built 20 other businesses to keep himself busy. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Gary, take us through your journey a little bit. Tell us about you know, either the beginning and how you got started or some of the uh, initial stories of your journey? Yeah. Um, so the, the short version of the story is that I somehow or other got the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad from somebody when I was sitting kind of disenfranchised, you know, a year and a half out of college going, I'm never going to make it in this world. Like, I'm just never going to make it. I'm making $18,000 a year. I hate going to work every day. This is awful. And I had my $500 credit card bill and I'm thinking, I did the math and I'm like, it's going to take me 20 years to pay off this credit card with the, you know, $40 a month I can pay on it at 18% interest. This is a disaster, right? And then I read that book and, you know, somehow or other cobbled enough money together of my own money because you needed next to nothing, you know, to put 5% down on a $50,000 house, which is what they cost at the time. Um, in Roxborough and, and had my first investment property. I lived in it, had a couple of roommates, started realizing, you know, how that works to be able to leverage properties and other people's money. And then just saved up enough money to do it again two years later. And then saved up enough money to do it again two years later. And you just, just moved out of your, those houses and still rented them all? Yes, kept them and rented them. And then, you know, then I took a couple of years off and screwed around because I'm like, I'm the most successful dude I know. I own three properties. I'm 25. I'm <laughs> like, you know, people should be looking at me and tell me how great I am every day. You didn't have GoBundance to put you in your place back then. I didn't, dude. There's no question. <laughs> I, I called them the lost years. Like, I had like seven lost years in there where I was just patting myself on the back every day, telling myself how great I was and not doing anything. Um, and then... I will tell you the next big, big breakthrough that I had was we started doing little duplexes and triplexes. And it, I came from the residential mindset, so I only knew how to do it the residential way. 15, 20% down. You know, the mortgage was very difficult. It was based on sales of other properties. They, you needed a million things, and you were always getting told no by the bank. And then I met a guy who knew how to do commercial financing how to actually finance a building and put us together to build our first six unit building, which was a new construction six unit building. And he showed us how to do it. It, it was a totally different world in the commercial business and it was all based on cash flow. And it wasn't based on what the residential world was based on. And when we got that information and learned that process and learned that the number one key is to have a guy that knows how to present your deal to a bank it's a real guy that knows how to present your deal to the bank. Now you can do it. Your whole world opens up to something different. And I see, you know, guys come to me that went to a course on how to do these things and their presentations for the banks and they're awful. They're absolutely awful. They're like a sales pitch that I would give on a building that I said is going to make money and I know isn't going to make any more. I don't know it's not going to make any money, but the reality is it's not going to make any money and the bank is never going to finance it. And then people trip all over themselves trying to figure out how to get their hands around this financial piece of it, how to present a real deal to a bank. And, and as soon as I found a guy that knew how to do that, I held all to him and was like, every deal I do, you're doing. And I don't care if I pay you to do deals that once I learn this, 
I could do on my own because I know you're always learning and always getting better. And to this day, I still use that guy. And he's now a partner in our development company, which, you know, and he does all the financing and figures out every time we get to another level, he's financed deals like that before and knows how to make that work. And that's the most critical part other than having a good construction group of making these deals work. Is that Chris? That's Chris Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Well, I love the, the part where you aligned with such a smart person and then you made sure that you rewarded them and then brought them into the opportunities that he helped you to get. Um, that's something I see you do all the time, but I really appreciate that, that trait and I, that you bring to everything you do, Gary. And I think it pays off for you always in the long run to uh, operate that way. I think it's a really solid, um, admirable and honorable way to, to operate um, as a human being and especially as an entrepreneur. So just want to recognize you for that. I think it's exceptional. Um, awesome. Well, hey guys, let's talk about some of the, the journey a little bit. I'd love to hear about some of your greatest successes um, in this journey of building horizontal income, biggest breakthroughs, um, or even if it makes sense, because sometimes, you know, the, the most important moments are the biggest losses too. So there might be a one that went horribly wrong that you learned a lot from too, that could in and of itself still be a breakthrough by virtue of the lessons you learn uh, from it as well. So tell us, Maddie, what would be, you know, a couple of those uh, learning opportunities for you, big breakthroughs? Yeah. Um, I want to bring up kind of two different, um, spaces because I think you know obviously in the context of this conversation we're going to be talking a lot about real estate right I know a lot of guys in GoBundance own real estate it's one of the you know the pillars of passive income for the majority of our tribe members but I also want to highlight that there are so many different vehicles outside of real estate that can provide passive income that might be in alignment with what you have you know um, currently going on so we can talk about that in a second and for me uh you know, one of my biggest lessons that I learned was, you know, uh, I bought a, a couple of condos that are in the hood and I was like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll take on the, the, you know, we, we self-manage all of my properties in house, um, with my staff. And one of the, the things for me was, Oh my gosh, this property is a cash flow machine. Like these are cash cows. But then I, you know, and this is something I've learned from Gary is to really, really, understand and stay intimate on top of your numbers. And what I realized was, you know, even though I saw a certain amount of cash flow, quote unquote, coming in every month, um, at this point with where I was at, I wasn't really taking into account the maintenance and the time and energy that was going in with my staff on these high, you know, um, kind of high maintenance properties, not only the turnover on these properties where on paper, the cash flow was fantastic. And yet the time and energy, the repair work, the turnover, all the other things that went into this property essentially didn't make the cash flow that great. So um, that was one of my biggest kind of learning lessons on the, the front side of things of the sexiness of the way it looks going in isn't always the sexiness and the reality of what it happens to be once it's on your books. And so um, I ended up repositioning a couple of those properties this year, actually, and cashing out because the market's great. And I'm going to redeploy that cash into something that I think one will be a little bit more passive um, and is a little bit more in alignment with my model now. So that was one of my biggest 
um, kind of takeaways of the, you know, just a learning lesson. But one of my biggest ahas and breakthroughs was the ability to invent and create, according to our buddy Daniel Himmel, to literally invent cash on the internet, to print money on the internet. Um, and, and that's where my real estate investing, uh, community and course, the six figure flipper and, um, that, you know, the podcast and that ecosystem of online opportunities and how those can become, uh, passive and generate a great amount of cash flow that can be done anywhere in the world that, uh, don't require a ton of your time that are highly leveraged due to the automation, the system, the systematization that, the online world and the systems and services can be provided and put in place there. So I really think that while real estate is one hands down, my number one vehicle and will always be my number one vehicle of, you know, investing um, there's a massive opportunity grab in the online space and uh, essentially what, you know, influence uh, allows you to how your influence and your um, your insights or your education that can be sold and packaged up in the online world can become really passive. And my biggest aha was basically, you know, creating this course, which was vertical effort in the beginning. Now throughout the year has uh, generated me over a hundred thousand dollars just from selling this course online. The other day I, you know, woke up and I had $1,800 sitting in my bank account uh, from, you know, a couple courses that were sold while I was sleeping and, you know, off playing with my girls. So uh, there's a lot of different opportunities right now in the online space that especially for guys who have the track record and the experience and the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to maybe put a little bit of front and vertical effort into these things, but to allow it to turn into a passive income vehicle over time moving forward is something that I think a lot of people um, should consider or take advantage of if it's in alignment with your existing kind of track that you're on. Yeah. And I think a good resource for everybody, it would be the smart passive income podcast. The one that Pat Flynn does because yep. he's only just starting to get into real estate, but his whole podcast is on passive income strategies that are more related to what you're talking about, Maddie. And we yeah. had him on as a, we did an interview with him for GoBundance and sent out his book, uh, at one point to everybody, uh, will it fly? But Becca, we might even be able to repost um, our interview with him. Uh, we've been reposting a lot of stuff, so that'd be a good throwback to to put out there. Um, yeah, I love that you brought up the other sources. I think it's good to keep paying attention to those as the world is, is always changing and there's new opportunities. But I also like the, um, the front end, the way that you've created... Um, way to serve the world and then the work is all front end loaded so not only did you make money while you were sleeping you educated somebody while you were sleeping too and i think that's kind of cool to think about the um you know you being in somebody's house at night you know teaching them about flipping houses that's pretty cool and then making money for it that's awesome yep cool so gary tell us about some of your uh breakthroughs and successes and biggest lessons Sure. Um, of course, as always, I first have to comment on Matt first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it's important to go back and, and, and realize that he spent a year putting that thing together. And why was he able to do that? Because he has this other system that's creating cash flow for him. 
And so exactly what we're talking about is that the acceleration of this whole thing comes from the, the fact that Matt didn't need to make income on that for the first year, but now he's got 10 years worth of income that he just turns around and clicks a button and all of a sudden there's money there, right? And so I just think it's important for people to understand that it's a process to get there. And if you have the time to put in and can make the commitment, you'll get there. But it's not Matt created you know, six video courses in the course of 40 hours and was done, right? Like that's not what I watch this guy every week. Oh, it was a grind. You know, put the time in to get it done and now he's getting a reward from it. So it's awesome. Um, you know, from my end, I, I would tell you that there were two, you know, three big kind of paradigm shifts for me. The first one was understanding the financing, like I talked to you, the commercial financing versus the residential financing, which opens up a whole new world. The second was realizing that if you're really going to grow in the space that I'm in, you got to use other people's money, right? And so if you're going to use other people's money, then you better know your numbers, right? So you better have your math right if you're going to use other people's money. So understanding that financing is important and how it works in the commercial world. And by doing commercial financing, it, it's very difficult to bullshit the commercial system, right? Like they're not going to let you put an expense in. that's not a real expense. They might say to you, Hey Mike, you can really, that's great that you think you can do it for 500, but the whole market does it for 1500. So we're going to underwrite it based off 1500. If your math <laughs> works, then you can do this deal. And if it doesn't, sorry. So you want to get a real test as to whether your deals are really going to work or not, you know, start doing commercial loans and you're going to figure that out real quick. So, you know, that the ability to use other people's money and how you put together a deal to show it to other people and make them feel comfortable. Cause we, you know, Matt and I are on calls where people present deals to us and we're like, okay, well, what's the number one question an investor is going to ask? How much of your own money are you putting in? What are you risking? Why do I want to be your partner? And you better be able to answer those questions and it better not be because I want to work really hard. For you. Right? Like that answer is not going to fly with 95% of the people that are going to give you money. So um, I would tell you that, you know, you better be prepared at least initially to put some money. I don't care what it is. If you say I got five grand in the bank, and I'm willing to put all five grand in, well, then that tells me you're serious. But if you don't, then that tells me you want to risk my money and not yours, and that's a problem. Um, and then the last paradigm shift I had towards passive income was listening to people like Abundance talk about investing in people. And that if you invest in people and give them time to be successful, that they're going to accelerate and you're going to make money. So the place I go outside of real estate try and make money is, you know, is investing in people and businesses. So that's what I would say. Now I saw that we got a question from Len asking how much time yep. we're really working. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to answer that question for him because I, 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 most people probably know I'm working 50, 60 hours a week, but why? Right. I'm not working 50, 60 hours a week to generate that $39,081 and 24 cents. Right. That money is coming in and I don't do a thing to address that money. I'm working that time because I want to grow these other businesses and I want to accelerate what we're doing. I could stop tomorrow and that cash flow would still come in and I could work you know, five hours a month just managing my assets. 
I am, unfortunately, because of the way I'm wired, working 50, 60 hours a week because I want to build something special. And that means the companies that aren't included in that money acquiring more properties. That takes work every day. Um, you know, building a vision for an overall company that's going to be the best resident or, or the best real estate fully integrated company in Philadelphia and maybe the world, that takes time, right? You can't do that passively. If I don't want to do those things, then I can have horizontal passive income. I want to do those things, which is why I don't. So I do get jealous when I watch Len because I see the great life that he lives in this bubble and he doesn't appear to work very much at all and has created <laughs> passive income. I just don't know that I have the ability to to take my foot off the pedal and be comfortable in an environment like that. Yeah, it's a true answer. Maddie, how about for you? Uh, for me, you know, we, we talk a lot about on our call, uh, just like the seasons of grinding, right? And there's seasons like for me, this year, I think a lot of people know, and I, you know, told I wasn't going to go on any more traveling, go abundance trips, speaking engagements, all kind of stuff, because I had a newborn in the house. And I know going from one to two was going to require a lot of my time and energy and my, based on my priorities, um, I had to kind of retweak, you know, what I was going to be allocating my time towards. So the you know, 80 hour grind that I'm used to doing, which I'm obsessed with my work. I love what I do. I don't really feel like I'm working. So some people might say it's, you know, uh, a 50 hour work week. Um, I consider my, my grind sessions from, you know, eight 30 in the evening when the girls go to bed till one in the morning to be essentially working because I'm moving the needle forward on some of my things, but it doesn't really feel or, or I don't consider it work because, you know, it's just me working on my passions and, and the projects, like what Gary says, he wants to have those visions become realities. So um, I would say right now, I'm probably working easy a 60 hour week. Um, but I'll, my my time that I've allocated now based on my current family situation, which is my number one priority is, um, you know, I'm just sleeping a little bit less. And the season of grinding that I'm in right now has just been tweaked based on you know, the, the time block in, in my calendar of waking up earlier, going to bed a little bit later, but I'm not sacrificing the time with my family, um, in order to do that. So right now, um, I'm probably still grinding at least a, a good 60 to 70 hours a week working on some of these projects. Uh, but you know, three months ago when my daughter was born, I was maybe working 40 hours a week. And, and because that's where, you know, the, the time allocation was needed at, at that current season of my life. So we're kind of, you know, I've seen the ebbs and flows of this, um, over time. And I know for me personally, if I were to, we were having this conversation with Gary today, Gary's like, Hey, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week, but I feel like maybe I should be spending more time with the girls and doing, you know, more things where I don't feel like, um, you know, I'm giving them that time, right? And I was saying, well, what would you do if you were working 20 hours a week and you got 40 hours back? Would you give all 40 of that to your family? Or would you still feel like you need to go out and work on the things that you want to be working on, whether you have the income coming in or not? And he's like, well, that's a good question. I don't know, you know? So I think that hours at the end of the day are all relative um, in regards to whether it's work or not, it's subjective based on if it is a passion of yours 
and you're loving what you're doing, is that really considered work? Well, is it just, I think of it, is it getting you a specific result that is tied in with your goals that essentially is going to make you a vertical income or some passive income? And based on that, you can categorize it as work or not. But I would say, let go ahead. I was going to say, or, or are you on, or are we making unhealthy sacrifices in some other area? Like that's the, yep. the question I always have to ask is, I know I'm capable of working 16, 20 hours a day if I had to. Right. However, like what other things am I then, um, you know, throwing to the wolves because I'm not giving any attention to them. So uh, good questions. You've got another one here. And then I think what we'll do is we'll shift towards, you know, tactics and strategies that you guys use that maybe you want to share with the tribe or any specific um, advice that you have for them to level up in, in their horizontal income. Um, I think that'll be a good direction to take us. But it looks like we've got a question here from Sean Lowry for Maddie of how many units do you own now? Who manages them? And um, have you always done that? Had your team manage them from day one? Yep. 11 right now. Um, property <laughs> and um, in <laughs> in-house. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that I figured being in the space that I'm in, Sean, being that we're, you know, I'm, my day to day of what I do is eat, sleep and breathe real estate, right? So if it's something that I can build up an ancillary service around this core pillar of real estate, whether it's property management, whether it's construction business, whether it's flipping, whether it's rentals, whether it's real estate retail sales, title and escrow. I mean, the list goes on and on. If I can find a way to, because, you know, and I've learned this from David Osborne is the way to, uh, to, to build a company is through, you know, extremely talented people and really great sound systems. If I can figure out uh, the sound systems that are needed for this particular bucket and I can place somebody in that, you know, that vehicle to integrate, be the integrator, the manager of it, um, being that I can't, you know, I'm not scalable as a human being. I only have 24 hours in a day, then I would do that. And so property management, um, at least of my rentals has been one of those things that we've kept in house in the meantime, um, hasn't always been the greatest decision. And yet, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've kept it in house and it's something we continue to improve and, and grow. And, uh, you know, that, 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 that definitely has served my passive income vehicle. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Sean and Len, for your questions. And guys, if you're listening in and have other questions for these guys, we'll move to Q&A before we end. So think of them and post them for us and we'll read them here. Uh, so Gary, give us some, some advice and some tactics, some strategies. If I wanted to to do better in this area of horizontal income, what are some of the success factors or things that would, would point me in the right direction? Look, I think it's pretty simple. If I were starting today and I wanted to create passive income for myself, what I would do is I would go to somebody that's already got a ton of properties that's already executing and say, tell me what you're looking for. Let me go out and find it for you. And if I do that, whatever you were going to pay me for finding it, will you let me keep it in the deal? and start to create my passive income. And in return for that, I want to learn from you. And I would find three or four guys, I'd get their criteria of exactly what they're looking for, and then I would get it for them. And that's where the work is, because all the work in these businesses is finding the deals, right? Yep. And then you can be taught how to execute on them. 
And, you know, like, so Matt employed that strategy. He's like, hey, I got a deal potentially in Sacramento. And then he asked me, like, I don't know how to do this, but you know how to do this. Can we look at it together? And we went through the process. And unfortunately for us, the deal, you know, while we think it works, the timing's not right or whatever, and the deal's probably not going to happen. But the point is that I tell people all the time, I'll tell you exactly what I'm looking for, and I'll give you X piece of the deal if you find it. Here's what I want. Nobody's willing to do it. That's the real work. Mm. Mm -hmm. And let's say you're, you're willing to do that and someone says yes and gives you what they want. How do I start going to find it? What are the tricks and, and tactics that put you in a position to find those deals? So I would say to you that in the beginning, in terms of finding deals, it was just, you know, out on the streets, out on the streets every day. Um, you know, knocking on doors and, you know, looking up stuff on public records and just trying to figure out how to do it. But the good news to your point is by including a ton of people, like I got a call today from a guy that we did a deal with a couple of years ago and he made a million dollars on one deal. And I, I have, I think I probably sent it to you a picture of him with this million dollar check. Right. Um, and that guy just called me today. I got two deals that I'm working on and I, you know, they're a little bigger than what I do with you. So now I get them from referrals, but in the past, I just got them from, like, if I understood the criteria of what you wanted, I'd sit down with a piece of paper and I'd go, all right, well, let me come up with 20 ideas as to how I could figure out how to find this particular thing. Like, I can't give you exactly how to find it. What I can tell you is this is what I want. Now, if I could tell you exactly how to find it, I'd have six people working for me doing nothing but finding that property. So I don't have that system perfected. The value in you is for you to sit down and look at it from a different lens and figure out the way that you're going to find that asset, you know? And so, you know, what would I do? I might listen to seven podcasts and go, all right, well, what are other people doing? How are they finding these? And then put my strategy together based on that. I, you know, I don't know. I've never been great at being able to show people how to find the deals. Because if I could, I'd be making a shit ton of passive income on just teaching people that. And that's part of what Matt does. He does that better than I do. And that's honestly, that's a great point, Gary. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm continuously working on. And I think what people, you know, the passive income kind of lesson that I've learned is passive income isn't passive in, 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 a, in a true capacity. It, it requires, if you have to look at a P&L one time a year, well, that's, you know, that's essentially requiring you to do something, right? So it's still passive in the majority of the, the capacity and the context that we're talking about. But what I've realized is that, you know, passive income is a long-term, long-term play. It, it, and for me, the passive income, the, some of the small bets that I've been doing, these are small bets that I'm saying are going to pay off in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And like what Gary talked about, that compound effect, that hockey stick curve, of jumping up is going to pay off in the long term. So um, I think that the quickest way of doing generating some passive income is what Gary said to, to do something like that. And if you can master a skill set in, because anybody knows you have the deal, you have the leverage, right? So if you can get really damn good at finding deals and opportunities, then you're going to have leverage of working yourself into someone else's, you know, network and generating some passive income through attaching your horse to their cart kind of thing. Um, I'll throw in another 
kind of uh, angle would be to, uh, as, the, as the world continues to go online, I continue to think of things that are running alongside of me that I can kind of like tack on to what it is that I'm doing that by doing the same thing over and over, what potential businesses or opportunities or relationships are going to be in alignment with that vision, that track over the next 10, 20 years that I'm going to stay on it no matter what. And by doing some of those other things, the passive income will continue to grow and expand. So that's why I started generating the course and the consulting and the affiliate commissions and all that kind of stuff, because I knew that I'm still going to be investing in real estate. I'm still going to be continuing to raise the bar on how to find deals and how to flip houses and how to create more you know, investing income for myself. And so why not create some of these ancillary businesses that I know that if I'm still going to be on this track anyways, there might just be some vertical integrations that I have to do along the way, but eventually they're going to turn into passive income streams. The other thing I would say is um, nowadays attention and influence are now becoming massive opportunity plays for passive income. If you have attention if you have eyes and ears on what you're doing, there are so many different opportunities of plugging in passive income opportunities. I mean, that's why you see some of these Instagram and YouTube and, and people who have or podcasts that have big audiences and they're constantly just putting little tiny opportunities for people that are in alignment with their brand to buy into, right? So that's where- deals is what you're saying, right? Like, yes. I have a podcast and then I mentioned this product, a bunch of people buy it. And now I get paid for that. Yep. So if you can naturally continue to build your influence in your space, whether it's, you know, a tax specialist, whether it's a financial guru, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a real estate investor, whether it's a franchise owner, whatever it may be, if you can position yourself to being the influencer in that space, the amount of passive income opportunities just off of influence alone nowadays and moving forward, it's going to get even more, um, you know, lucrative and the opportunity is going to expand even more influence and attention. We're in an attention grab right now, and it's only going to continue to, you know, expand. And the people who are constantly putting out value and are constantly showing, you know, and, and their expertise through that value that they give, they're only creating more opportunity for them to plug in, to have so many different opportunities plug into that influence, right? Into, into that audience. And so I look at if I can become a channel of influence, what other brands, what other businesses, what other products, what other services are in alignment with this influence and my audience that I'm now growing and building and how that can turn into passive income opportunities just by saying, you know, for example, like The Rock, right? Dwayne Johnson. He's got something like, you know, a crazy hundred million followers on Instagram or whatever. Right. And so now he just has, instead of Toyota going and spending a million and a half dollars on a Super Bowl commercial for 10 seconds, they're going to go to the influencers or the people who have the audience in front of them that say, Hey, I want to pay you X amount of dollars just to do a little ad or a shout out for us to get in front of a hundred million people on Instagram who may be, you know, aligned with Toyota. So I, I think of attention and influence is going to become more and more and more important for passive income opportunities. Let's just say outside of the real estate space, 
where people could naturally just tag this onto their expertise, their business, the track that they're already on and what they're doing on a daily basis, but just add a few other, you know, ancillary opportunities or kind of the 2.0, the 3.0 of what you're doing. And you're going to generate income by still just being the expert in what you're already doing anyways. Yeah. 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 What I hear you saying is find an area that is in, in your wheelhouse and then become an authority and expert and, and gain influence in that space. And then either convert that to a course in a way to educate those people, which is passive or convert it to a bunch of followers and then market to them other things. So those are two great sort of uh, simple ways to build other uh, income streams that I think are really brilliant. Maddie, thanks for that, buddy. That's good yep. stuff. Good stuff. Carrie, any other uh, advice or any strategies on your end? And Maddie, we'll come back to you again if you've got some others. Um, and we've got about 12 minutes here to sort of start to wrap up. It, and uh, Len mentioned here... Uh, getting a GoBundance fund formed and uh, doing some investing together. I think that would be cool. Uh, it's a great idea. Len, you should do that, buddy. You should be the, the GoBundance hedge fund leader and get it started for us. I'll put 50 grand in. I put the first 50 grand in the fund. If Len's leading it, I'll, I'll do it. So Gary, any, any other advice or what, what, what would you say? Would be some other strategies we could uh, we could put to work for us. I would tell you that the other thing that I've seen and I, I think would be good is you look at the Sean Lowry strategy, right? Which is he wanted to get involved and he wanted to get involved. So it's just like, tell me whatever you want me to do. Like, I don't know how to find a property. I just want to be part of the process. Give me all the shit work that you don't want to do and I'll do it and I want to get a little piece of the deal, right? And he did it. And then as soon as he saw, well, this isn't as complicated as I thought. Then he was able to do another deal on it. And he came back to all the people that he did the shit work for and said, hey, give me some money. I got this deal. And then he got it. And then he did his first deal. Then he did his second deal. So if you feel like, hey, I'm not going to be able to go out and find that property when I know your criteria or that thing that you need, that lead, let's call it, let's not call it property, but I can't find those leads that you need regardless of business. Then what I would suggest you do is find somebody that's super successful and beg them to give you all your, their shit work that they don't want to do and do it for them so you can start to learn. Mm. Yeah, that's a great strategy, man. I, I think that's really good. There's a lot of guys that you can learn from. And I guess this is a cool question I think of. Gary, are you expanding what you know by doing similar things like on a different scale? Like how do you keep learning yourself or – you know, going to whatever the, the next level is for your world. So um, I would tell you a couple things. One of the things that's been super important is is the books that I get sent, by, you know, by you guys. So GoBundant sends me a book and they send me Rocket Fuel. And I read Rocket Fuel and I go, oh, this is awesome. This describes me to the T. All right, well, how do I implement this process? And then I pay for the training and we go through the process. And I can't tell you, like, our business We've been trying, like, so first I started with David's idea of have five companies that all make you a million dollars, right? So I got that idea from him. And then we started trying to do it. And I'm like, wait, this is way harder than that seems. That's a problem because I don't have the right systems in place. And I'm like, all right, well, I should hire a coach to help me get the right systems in place. And then I'm like, oh, well, this is Cameron Elrod. He wrote this great book, you know, Double Double. I love what he's doing. So I talked to him and I'm ready to hire him. And then I realized he's not going to help me make my systems better. He's going to help me if I have good systems, 
double or triple my business. So he's not the right guy for me. So who is the right guy for me? Oh, I read this rocket fuel book. Let me talk to those guys. So we're spending $60,000 in 18 months on going through that process. And if we're, you know, nine months or 10 months into it or however far into it we are, it's the amount of value we've gotten out of it from a business standpoint and a personal standpoint is unbelievable, right? Um, you know, I use the level 10 meeting for my family, with my kids, with my wife, with every business that I'm in, and it's a huge win for us. Matt and I use it on our call. You know, so how am I doing things to get better and learn? You know, I'm listening to what the other smart people tell me and trying to implement it. Awesome. Gary, Daniel Ramsey asked, yeah, uh, and this I think is a good question that is a follow-up to this, is uh, how your best lessons of leverage for building and scaling your businesses, because I think that's one thing that you're great at is um, getting clear on these things, but then leveraging somebody else based on their skill set and being clear on what it is that you expect into these positions. And, and I guess what have been some of your takeaways as you've scaled these businesses with leverage particularly? Uh, my answer to that question would be trust, right? In order to leverage people, you got to trust people. And most people are pretty cynical in their, in their willingness to just bring somebody in and trust them and assume that those people are going to do the right thing. Right. And I think you guys would know that, if somebody came to me, I would tell them everything I know about any particular subject and then say, all right, well, what do you need from me? Go ahead and do it, you know, and then give them as little as I can possibly give them to get them where they need to go, but give them the freedom and the ability to go out and make mistakes and try stuff and know that we're there to support them. And by doing that, I think we've gotten a lot. That and we hire young people for the most part that, that want to be trained and don't come with bad habits. Not because they're young. I shouldn't say young people. We hire people that don't have experience in our business and train them and give them the ability to be successful. Um, and that's worked well for us. Yeah, and you've done some incredible things with giving them not only trust, but giving them opportunity in your organization. Can you mention just what you've done to, to give them opportunity? And the reason this, I think, is a great question to horizontal income, by the way, is ultimately in our business, our leverage is, our, is what makes it passive, ultimately. So the better team and successors you have, the more likely you are to convert your vertical income into passive. So That's a curious, great point. Gary. Well, uh, you know, my short answer to your question is that I think we've looked at it and me and my partners have said, look, we don't need to make more money. We make more than enough money now, right? Us making more money isn't really the goal. What's the goal is to, is to grow something special. And in order to grow something special, people need to feel that they have opportunity and that they're not going to come here and learn and then have to go somewhere else to build their wealth and, and their growth, right? And so if you can set up a system that shows everybody a clear path to get where they want to go, then I think you can leverage people a lot. So in our particular business, we said, well, what's that mean? To me, what that means is, look, there's a way for me to take risk off the table and give the risk to the people that want to grow the company. So let this ownership kind of transfer from us to other people because we don't need to take the risk anymore and let them take over the company and run the engine and we get a piece of it take our chips off the table and they take it and grow it to the next level. 
And by doing that, that allows the people that are growing and feel like the John Packs of the world, you know, that people know that, hey, look, I don't have to leave here to get opportunity. I can take this thing and accelerate it and still make money for these guys, but, but get everything I want to get out of life by doing it. And so we have a profit share system set up. We have a five-year plan set up to have the key employees in the company kind of take over the development company, which is the biggest company we have in terms of creating passive income, horizontal income. And so I think we have a pretty good vision and plan as to what we want to do. And through um, traction and rocket fuel, we had to come up with kind of what is our big goal. And our goal was to give $35 million away to our employees over the next 10 years. Wow. That's the goal. And, and we're going to do that awesome. for the most part in income producing real estate. We want to give them ownership of real estate because that's what we believe in. So if we get people that are passionate about real estate and we give them the ability to own that real estate, that's, that's a pretty good system. So. Love it. Yeah. So many great things there. And John Pack is such a great kid too. We should all have a John Pack in our life who we're bringing along with us that can take over for us someday. I think that's so smart here. Maddie. I would, I would add to that just, uh, yeah, real quick, kind of tagging on to that question too. I think the one thing, and I'm, you know, this is an evolution and an ongoing learning process for me as well. But the one thing I think I've continued to learn is, uh, you know, tying into leverage the best, you know, when you think of leverage, obviously getting things off your plate. I remember being in a conversation where I heard Gary Keller say this and he said, um, you know, there's always a software a system or a person who can do that. Right. And so I constantly think of if I want to add more leverage into my business, it's obviously going to come back to systems or people. And those systems could be a software, a service, you know, whatever it may be. But if, if, if some, I ask myself, the question is, you know, in order to create more leverage in this space, what software, what system or what person um, is missing or system is missing right now that I could put in place that could give me back more time, which would essentially allow me to scale. Um, obviously what Gary said was, was gold. And, um, and, and that was just, you know, a little add on that kind of came to mind for me as I'm constantly thinking of with the technology that's out there nowadays, the automation that's out there nowadays. Um, and then just, you know, the, the talented people that we all have in our world, who could we plug in to get more leverage in our business that might serve us in moving the needle forward? Love it, man. That's great. Awesome, guys. So any last thoughts before we wrap up here? That was uh, so much great advice. And uh, I really loved hearing your story. Some of the things I hadn't even heard uh, before. So I got felt like I got to know you each a little bit better. Um, man, I can honestly say, Gary, for you, uh, the way that you up your employees, give them opportunities. That's one piece of your world, but the way you show up for your family and even your communities, uh, you've always been the biggest supporter of uh, Turkey Abundance or anything that I've done that involved donations. You're always the first on board and always support it so much. And uh, just appreciate you being in the tribe and always sharing with people uh, you know, I know if a, somebody in the Philly area wants to know real estate, <clears throat> Gary always takes them in his office, shows them what he does, shows them how to analyze a deal. If they find a deal while he's showing them, then he does the deal with them and brings them into it. The way, if, 
that deal doesn't do what Gary said it was going to do, then Gary makes the person whole or finds a way to make it right. Even if it was out of his control, what happened and it was just, you know, the deal just didn't do everything it should have, but he just sticks by what he says. Um, maybe even to a fault. I don't know, but he's so honest and so willing to make things right. And uh, Gary, love you so much, man. You're an amazing asset to this tribe. And Maddie, uh, I second that about Gary. Yeah, man. And, and great father to Maya and Priya too. And the sage just such a great father and Maddie for you and Marie and Ella, Evelyn, you're, you're a great father. You show up so well for them and you execute so well. You always have a great attitude. You're happy. You're happy to see people. And, uh, the other thing I love about you is how vulnerable you have been in sharing your early story of going to jail and being a young punk kid. And I can relate to that in so many ways. And when I saw you sharing it, I'm like, dude, this kid is sharing all of the shit that he did that I've probably done and never want to share with anybody. And I recently shared some of that at the Austin event for the first time. And, you know, you kind of sparked that, buddy. So you guys are awesome and um, any closing thoughts from both of you uh, after just giving a little appreciation to you both for doing such a great job today and being such great members of GoBundance and human beings and citizens of planet earth <laughs> I echo it I mean I, I echo it you know it, the the gratitude for this tribe the gratitude for people like Gary who's been I call him Uncle G he's the real Uncle G in my world um, you know and, and friends like you Mikey and, and just the I think I want to bring the attention and gratitude back to just the tribe and how when I, when I look at some of the mind-bending expansion of my mindset, the relationships, the doors that have been open, um, the opportunities that have resulted, it's come from this tribe. It's the root of this and a lot of this started from this community and just starting the conversation. So I want to throw it back to, to you and to all the elders and just, you know, all of the amazing people who collectively make this tribe what it is, is um, it's, it's a life changing opportunity if people choose to engage with it. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, how have you done what you've done in such a short amount of time? And when I think about it, it's never what I did. I mean, I'm very disciplined and I'll get in there and do what needs to be done. But I think about all the people that have invested in me, all of the conversations that I've been invited to, the doors that have been open and the opportunities. And, um, and a lot of them started right here. So I think what this, this community and this tribe has to offer is extremely special. And uh, the ROI on this is not anything that is measurable because um, there's so many different facets and pillars that it touches on that completely change you know, the, the life of just one individual, not, not including the ripple effect it has on our kids and our wives and, you know, the communities and businesses that we work in. So um, it's fun being a part of this, this just tribe and I'm uh, forever grateful. Cool, man. Thanks. I'm a hundred percent on agreement with Matt. I mean, the things that being part of the group have done for me and the stuff that I've learned and the way that my mind has shifted, um, you know, in every aspect of my life, business-wise, personal-wise, um, you know, I just look back on it over the couple of years, and I've only been in, I guess, three or four years now, and it's been, it's been unbelievable. So, I can't thank you enough, Mike. I love every time I talk to you. You're the man, and um, I, I just have learned so much from all you guys, and, and appreciate the group, and want to continue to be part of it. So, thanks, guys. Hey. Love you guys. Hey, here's something cool. Josh Painter said that 
he, we inspired him. You guys inspired him to uh, text his 22-year-old son and ask if he wanted to go on his first flip with him. And he said yes. So we're uh, inspiring Josh to get his son into uh, some flips there. So nice. Right to on, brother. That's awesome. Can't, can't think of a better way to wrap up the call. Uh, you guys rock. Go grab life big. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Mikey. Man, wasn't that awesome? Way to grab life big. Until next time, grab it big, boys. Grab life big. <laughs> <laughs>